Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last week. Uh, I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was productive. I hope it was fun. I hope it went accordingly. Uh, we have a lot, a lot going on in the media. Uh, as everybody knows, I did shows last week on Monday and Tuesday uh, for my Internet shows, as well as I did my AM radio show on Saturday at KFNX. I'm sure many of you listened to that. Uh, and if you haven't, uh, you can always go and, and, and re-listen to it again, just like all my other shows. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Rory Sauter Show, we have a lot planned for the future, um, definitely a lot a lot in store, uh, definitely big announcements coming up that I can't wait to share with all of you, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my audience, my co-hosts and sponsors. Uh, you are all incredible. Uh, the show just keeps getting better and better. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms, and I will tell you this, everybody. It's a huge honor and blessing that uh, I'm able to uh, get on the air with you so consistently and uh, shine my light and uh, give my insight. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's fun, fun, fun stuff. And so important, so important. Uh, but everybody, let's get, let's get to it. Big weekend in the media, uh, story after story. Uh, it's, it's a madhouse out there. Um, obviously, you know, there's – the Canada election, you got all this stuff going on with Trump. Uh, we've got cities that are run by liberals, uh, have some of the worst homeless epidemic in the world. Yeah. Lot, lot to, lot to discuss. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us uh, evangelist, motivational speaker, activist, and best-selling author Sam to- Sam Tully. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Roy. How are you doing yourself? Uh, doing well. Great to have you back, my friend. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, I'd like to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now, we have U.S. congressional candidate from Maryland, uh, Tim Fazenbaker. Tim, how are you? I am doing well. I'm having a great night. Excellent, Tim. Well, great to have you here. Thank you. Um, I also would like to welcome on the show, I believe he's with us right now, uh, we have retired Army paratrooper, Iraq and Afghan vet, uh, activist, White House military office, and currently the 2020 U.S. House candidate uh, in Tennessee, uh, Todd McKinley. Todd, how are you? Hey, Rory. What's going on, my brother? Uh, doing well, man. Just the, the same old, same old. Uh, how are, how's everything going with you? Oh, not bad. We're still still trucking along, looking to uh, you know make our decision up uh, as with regards to 2020 coming up. I'm hoping we're going to have some positive news. We're still exploring the option. Uh, you know, I, like okay. I said last time, one of those things. 90, where, yeah, uh, you're like 99 yeah. 99 yeah. sure, right? Right. Yeah, it's just one of those things that we, we've just got to make sure that we don't we don't violate any rules regulations right now. But we're we're trucking along, and, and we're we're going to see where we're at in the next few weeks, and hopefully uh, make a good decision. Well, yeah, I hope you do um, because you know we ne- we need you, man. We need you in D.C. and it sounds like you're in a really good position yeah. uh, in your area, in your district. So it kind of uh, it, it falls into play well, huh? 
Absolutely, you know, but you know the thing is with an incumbent lingering, it's very hard for to get money from the packs, and it's get, it's very hard to get right. endorsements, and you know, it, it's one of those situ- situations. So it's uh, we're, it's kind of a wait and see, but um, you know, hopefully everything's going to turn out uh, positive regardless. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see where we're at in the next several weeks. Sounds good, my friend. Well, great to have you here. Uh, definitely a lot to get yes, into tonight. All righty. All right, everybody. Um, I want to get in because I haven't, I haven't been on the air um, since last week. And, you know, on my weekend show, I didn't get to, I didn't get to a lot. I mean, I got to, I got, I got to a few things, but there's certain things that I just kind of want to um, address and, and kind of put, in, put into perspective, put it out there. Um, big news, big news out, um, you know, this past weekend, the RNC has now, they raked in for the month of September. Think about this. This is a record, $27.3 million. Again, that's $27.3 million is, is what they made it in September, and that's a record. And you know why they're raking in records and donations? Because this, this garbage, ridiculous, absurd uh, impeachment push. More and more people are waking up and seeing the craziness of the Democratic Party which is drawing donors to the Republicans more and more. You know, this is – the Democrats, uh, you know, they seriously don't understand how much they are hurting themselves and, and digging a huge ditch. Uh, but it, this is great news for us. I mean, this is something to be really, really happy about, really relieved, um, and it's very promising for 2020. I mean, we've uh, – and I've talked about this on my show many times, but we have some of the highest donations – uh, we actually do. I mean, they are by far the highest with Trump in there for the Republican Party, but uh, records are being broken constantly. And, uh, you know, and then like we know, the, the Trump administration has per- a lot of great people around them surrounding, and they know, they know exactly how to play the game and how to, how to get, you know, these, these donations and uh, to make this happen. And, it, look, it, it's, it's awesome. It really is awesome. And I'm just I'm loving it more and more. Um, Big news out, uh, blue-collar American workers are now enjoying the highest wage growth ever. Think about that. The Trump economy has now broken the record for the highest wage growth for blue-collar workers. Think about all the other records Trump has broken. Lowest black unemployment ever, lowest Asian, lowest Hispanic, lowest woman unemployment. I mean, this guy is a a machine. This guy is a profound – uh, individual like we've never seen before. I've never seen any human be able to do what he can do. All these accomplishments. And you know what the crazy part is? He makes it look easy. He makes it look easy. Five hours a night, all he sleeps, and then back up 19 hours a day, busting his butt for us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. This is, this is something like, like never, never seen before. And look at all the families that are getting all these raises and all, and all this, you know, great luxury from this economy. It's benefiting all of America. It's about time working class, uh, you know, it's about time that we came first. And with this president, uh, he always puts us first. And, you know, we love, we love how um, we have a businessman, a billionaire, a CEO running this country. Because like I said all, all the time, and I've said it on my show several um, several times, running this country is a business. It's a CEO job. To do anything properly, to have anything functioning in the right order, 
you need to have economics first. Otherwise, you're just you're you're screwed. And you know this is this is how it should be. And it's awesome. This is really great. Um, I, I also I want to welcome a few things. Um, here you know here's something that is getting more and more uh, sketchy. You know how Pocahontas uh, has been saying she's Indian for all this time. I mean, she's been saying it. You know, she's Native American. She got back her DNA test results, and we saw how she's like, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like the smallest, smallest, smallest. I'm not even Native American, and I, I have more Native American DNA in me than her. I mean, it, it, and anyways, anyways, she is trying so hard to cover her tracks and not talk about this situation because she knows she got caught in a lie. Now she's deleting all the tweets about talking about her DNA how she openly came out about it, because she looked like a fool. This is why she's doing it. She knows that she's most likely going to be the nominee and that Trump is going to hammer her with this crap. He really is. He's going to He's going to have so much fun uh, with, with, this, with this narrative. It, it's going to be a, uh, a field day. You know, this is, this, this is, this is, uh, this is a home run uh, for Trump. Because we see all the scandals people like Warren have been behind and lying. And, you know, it, it just, but it just proves the Democrat character, you know, trying to hide, trying to, trying to get rid of everything, you know. So, so you know, because think about it. I mean, a lot of people aren't thinking about Elizabeth Warren's Twitter or going, trying to get dirt on her quite yet. Because, I mean, even though she's looking like she's going to be the nominee, they haven't done the full dug, digging yet. That doesn't usually come until it's later on. But, but she's doing it now just so she can be safe and, uh, you know, just be cautious. But it's, it's just, like I said, it proves the character of these Democrats and, and how, you know, they are so sneaky. They really are. Um, this, is, this, is really, this is really disturbing. Uh, Adam Schiff uh, had staffers that went over uh, and met with the impeachment witness on, on a U- Ukraine trip. So this, to me, this entire situation was completely orchestrated all along. It was set up. It was an inside job. Adam Schiff knew what these people were going to say. It was, it was, the fix was in. The fix was in. And why isn't this being exposed? Instead, we have lies and slander being spread about the president. And nobody on the left is taking accountability for all this crap. Instead, the media protects them. And they find a narrative that they can spin, and then they, they can push back on the president. The president is guilty of nothing, but they'll take something, and they'll make it believable to their sheep, to their audience. It's crazy. It really is crazy. And this whole Ukraine stuff, you had Rick Perry, who had to recently resign. I mean, come on. For what? I mean, this is what I'm saying with the double standard with the left and the right. You know, I don't see Adam Schiff resigning. I don't see his staffers resigning. I don't see all these different people resigning, but Rick Perry has to resign because of this phony, fake Ukraine narrative. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. We just had the ex-Ukraine envoy testify and admit that Trump did nothing wrong and told him to do nothing wrong. Trump never said to break the law. Trump never gave orders of, of, you know, regarding any sort of corruption. He didn't. 
And it's disgusting. Like, they, they will never let it go. They're always on to something new. Russia didn't work, so they go on to race baiting. Race baiting doesn't work all the time, so then they come on to this Ukraine thing. It's always a new narrative with these people. It always is. And think about this. They are hiding the impeachment documents from uh, Republicans. Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, all these people want to impeach Trump based on a false narrative. And because they're hiding these documents, they know damn well what's inside is not impeachable. But they don't want to show Republicans and other people because they know they'll get called out. They know Republicans will call them out for the lies. I mean, these people, like I said earlier, they are as sneaky as can be. They don't want any sort of, of this stuff getting out because there's nothing there, first of all. And they're trying to make this this big secret and basically saying we impeach him. He needs to be impeached because we say so. These people are animals. They are over-abusing their power every second of every day, uh, and they're running the clock. You know, they, they, they have the power in the house. And they, they just keep, they keep playing games. They still can't get over 2016, but they think they can win in 2020. I mean, come on. You guys, you guys are absolutely uh, ridiculous. And, you know, Obama, the Obama administration recently came out that there were many warnings about, you know, the, the, real, the real corruption and the real scandal here with Ukraine is Hunter Biden. And a report came out this past week that Obama administration knew damn well this happened, and they knew the corruption was going on with Hunter Biden, and they chose to do nothing. They turned a blind eye to it. They, pretend, they just pretended that it didn't even exist. This is who these people are. They go in there for their own self-interest, and they will go to whatever level and extremes possible to profit. And I, you know what? Think about how much more stuff and things we're going to find out with this DOJ, with the, the, the different reports and investigations coming out. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just the, the rookie, the rookie of pregame. I mean, there's going to be so much more things that come out. Trust me on that. And you know what really bothers me? You had the Clinton email probe just conclude, and they found that 38 people committed violations. Well, why the hell aren't those 38 people in handcuffs and in front of a damn judge? Why does the left get a pass at every single turn? It never ends. It's double standard. The evidence is there. It's visible. We know. We know, we know, we know what's going on. You know, I I just, I can't, I can't tolerate, um, the idiocy. I can't tolerate the corruption. I can't tolerate the double standard. I can't tolerate these freaking hypocrites. They're nuts. And they do nothing for their constituents, the left. All they're focused on, all they care about is taking down the president, even though he's innocent. They, they want to take any sort of narrative and twist it and spin it and make it look like he's a terrible person and that he's guilty of something when he's really not. And think about, think about really what's going on with the Middle East. I mean, he stops war in Syria. He gets the troops out. And then you have all these people on the left that were anti-war. But because Trump does it, 
they they scream bloody hell and they scream uh, at the top of their lungs and they say how wrong it is. They don't want him having victories, even though they may agree with him on some things like the the war stuff. They're never going to give him credit. Never going to happen. You know, and and going back to the job thing earlier, I I don't want to get too off topic. I have a few more small things to say, and then I'm going to get everybody's thoughts. Um, But, you know, we're looking at everything he's doing for the economy, and I just want to give a slight example. Louis Vuitton, for the very first time, very rich, very wealthy company. I got some of their stuff. Awesome. I love it. They're building a factory in Texas for the very first time. Stuff is going to say made in USA. He's fulfilling on exactly what he promised. I just want, I forgot to mention that during uh, the economy uh, stuff I was talking about. But think about that, guys. You have the richest brand, one of the richest ever in the world, building in Texas, creating 1,000 jobs. And this, the Democrats and, and other people, uh, whatever, we don't care. I mean, these people are, are such animals and menaces. And you know what? We're not the ones that are violent. We're not the ones that are crazy. For instance, this past weekend, this, no, last week, they had armed men, well, actually one guy, he was arrested, wearing a helmet and a vest outside of a Trump rally. Now, do we ever see Trump supporters or Republicans outside Obama rallies or any of these other Democrat leaders with weapons or with these sort of terrible, uh, uh, violent uh, materials? I don't think so. And this is scary. The times we're living in, you know, the Democrats are teaching their constituents to attack, if you don't agree with the Republicans, to go after them. We see the tapes, Maxine Waters, uh, Pelosi, all these people have condoned and enable violence against our party. They have. And it's – the media turns a blind eye to it. They really do. They turn a blind eye to all of this corruption. And they protect uh, these these animals. It's sad. It really is. Um, I got like two more things, and then uh, we're going to get to some – Get to everybody on the panel. Uh, but a Pew, a Pew Research poll came out this past week, and this is very disturbing. I think this should really uh, concern anyone in, in our country, especially what our country was founded upon with our signature values and traditional principles. But the U.S. Christian population is now in free fall, and it's had a 12% drop in the last 10 years. So that, that's something to really be uh, aware of, uh, concerned about. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, a country that was based, is based on Christianity values, signature, signature traditions. You know, our, our um, you know, just, just the way we've been led on a lot of, on a lot of our history. So uh, this, is, this is something that uh, needs to improve, and, and I hope it will. With Trump being back president, which it already look, looks like it has, uh, I think Christianity is, is going – going to come back. I really do. I, I think it slowly is, but I, uh, I think this poll uh, has to do with, um, you know, certain, certain ways communism has taken effect in our country uh, with the left and, and with the way this is. It's, it's scary because once people become communists, usually they're atheists and stuff. And then, you know, this, it's terrible. Because, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Uh, you know, I, I go to church probably once a week, but I, I'm more of a Christian nowadays. 
you know, I, I'm not a not a fund- fundamentalist Catholic at this point in my life, but um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I still have a relationship with God, and I think that's important for many individuals in this country, especially with the, the, the scary situations and scenarios we're dealing with right now. All right, um, here here's something that really bothers me, and I, and I was talking about this on my weekend show. Um, Britain's first Chick Fil A uh, is getting shut down and banned in Britain. You know why? Because you have LGBT clowns and these angry people trying to change history and trying to cancel culture simply because they disagree with somebody's ideology. You have these people that want us to accept them, but they don't even make any sort of effort to accept us. And they drag us down any, any chance they get, and, and their, their complete uh, hostility and violence towards us is, I mean, it's, it's a whole new level of insanity, and it's a double standard. It's hypocrisy. These people don't practice what they preach. They want to come into Christian churches and change all this history from all these years ago, uh, but they, you know, they, they it's, it's crazy how these people think we live by their rules, how they think that they can act like this, and that's okay. It's so unethical. It's so immoral. Um, it's really wimpy-ish and pussy-ish. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know anything more cowardly than trying to shut somebody down because you disagree with them. Like, go away. Like, if you don't agree with somebody, why are you there? W- what's your point for sticking around? Like, I, 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 you want attention? You, you guys, all you guys want to do is bitch and whine about how America is so bad, how the white man is so bad, how Christians are bigots, how Republicans are, are hateful. No, you guys are the real fascists. You guys are pushing your bullshit on us. And if we don't agree with you, then we're bigots and we're Nazis and we're racist. Okay, okay. This is what the politicians have taught these children. These are freaking temper tantrum children that don't know how to act. They don't. And it's not just the LGBT community. It's Antifa. It's Black Lives Matter. It's all these social groups. They're a disaster. They're laughable. And they're clowns. And they can't be taken seriously. And they should be mocked. And they should be. Uh, and then they wonder why people stereotype and make opinions about them. Because look at the way they act. They don't, they're not good members of society. They're angry and they're violent. They're, a lot of them are criminals too, believe it or not. So, you know what? It, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Um, last thing I want to go into, um, human waste and the homeless epidemic and needles and drug epidemics in these liberal cities is nothing to joke about. Um, as everybody knows, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now, but I am originally from Seattle, Washington, and I was there, last time I was there was a few years ago, and there's needles everywhere. There's tents everywhere, poop everywhere. Businesses are complaining and angry, and it's costing taxpayers a fortune. But, but listen to this. What, do, what, does, what does this all have in common? They're all run by liberals, places like Seattle, L.A., San Francisco, Baltimore, now Miami. This was just out today, and this is new, actually, with Miami. Miami now is turning into a third-world country just like San Francisco, just like Seattle, just like Los Angeles. 
So this, it's becoming an epidemic, and anybody can go back and listen to past shows from months ago. I called this. I knew this was going to happen. I knew the homeless epidemic would evolve, and it would become this whole uh, large culture. And guess what? It's in a new city now, and it's growing, and it's evolving, and no politician that runs it is doing a damn thing about it. I mean, what, why do you think people are leaving California that own businesses and middle class? I mean, obviously the high taxes, but the homeless epidemic is turning off a lot of people. It really is. And then, then what, what's, what, okay, what does the left do to try to say, oh, they're working on it? They throw more money on it, at it, which enables the problem and keeps it growing. And their voters say, oh, yeah, let's throw some money at it. Let's help these people. No. You throw money at it, you're encouraging these people to do it more. It creates more of an epidemic. We've seen big corporations like Starbucks and Amazon try to throw all this money at the homeless epidemic, and all it does is make it worse. This is textbook. It really is. Uh, Sam, go ahead. Do uh, you have any thoughts on anything I said? Go ahead. Well, you you spoke about a lot of things, but I want to just touch on one of them, this LBG uh, thing. What a lot of people don't realize, many of us are wondering how we got to where we are right now. But in 1989, there was a book written called After the Ball by uh, Marshall Kirk. And I would call this the rules for radicals for the homosexual group. This book outlined exactly how they were going to infiltrate society, as it were. They were going to use, uh, they were going to align themselves with black people as far as the civil rights thing. They were going to even use the AIDS epidemic to get uh, <clears throat> sympathy in order to move their, their, their progressive efforts forward. They were going to uh, place homosexual characters, positive homosexual characters in movies and books and shows and everything. All this stuff that was happening now was part of the And now game. they're doing it on cereal boxes. Now they're doing it on cereal boxes so little children see it. And Drag Queen Story Hour. Right. All this stuff, what I'm saying is many people are wondering, well, how did this happen? This was the game plan. This was a game plan from day one. And and, and many people, from a, from a Judeo-Christian uh, perspective, you know, God told us to stay away from these abominable practices or or it will infiltrate society. It will it, it will turn your people upside down. So here we are in a society where I just read today about some fellow one another race. I mean that he's that he's running against girls because now they identify as girls or or they're taking these estrogens and and all this other nonsense. But this stuff happened because we let our guard down. We, we also allow uh, the, the liberal population to dumb down our educational system because they don't teach civics anymore. We don't know how um, the government operates. Our children in schools don't know how it is. And, of course, when they took the Bible out of uh, schools in 1962, they lost their moral foundation. So we are where we are because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we're dealing with all these uh, problems, you know, like these, these narratives like equality, but it, it, it's totally sending the wrong message. Not everybody's equal. I'm not Michael Jordan. You know, it, 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 all these people think they can be – it's crazy how the left tries to indoctrinate and, and brainwash these people with all this fantasy land ideology. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I'm going to tell you something. We are, and I fear, on uh, there is a there is a possibility of a civil war in America, but it won't be a racial civil war. It'll be a civil war against this radical leftist socialist mentality and folks that believe in the Constitution and the Second Amendment, folks that believe in the founding principles of this nation and folks that are not going to give up their guns. Hopefully this will never happen, but... You know, we were given an opportunity by President Trump to hold the waters back, as it were, and to make a stand. And if people get a backbone, particularly in his second administration, and start. And if when the IG report comes out, and if the Attorney General does his job, if they really let the chips fall where they may, and start locking up people. Then maybe, just maybe, we can get a hold of, you know, grab a hold of this thing and turn it around. Other than that, it's going to get uglier before it gets better. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, let's go to Tim. Tim, go ahead. So, this is interesting that you bring up Chick fil A. I have a, a, a sweet spot in my heart because that is the first job I ever had in my life. I worked there through high school and college, I was there for seven years. It's a great American success story a gentleman and not the not plugging chick-fil-a but a gentleman started it who didn't have the he was below average in in the iq area but he surrounded himself with great people after the great you know after world war ii and he made this business a a very strong business that was they were selective on who they brought in and as that founding career or founding job that I had that taught me a lot about how to work with people from all parts of life, I went to corporate a lot. And yes, they were Baptists. And I was like yourself, I was raised Catholic, you know, and, and it was different. But they always respected the other religions and other lifestyles. I hired many people there from all types of backgrounds. And in corporate, there were people that were Muslim, there were Jewish people, there were gay people, there were, and it was openly known, and nobody cared. But what you see is you have a successful corporation with the ideals of what it means to be American, and they, have, they attack that because they have to attack anything that is, is, is historically American. That is how they start bringing down our values and our culture, and that's why they also push in – Immigrants from other places that don't assimilate as, as much as what used to happen because they want to overthrow our culture and then make this a society of what we wouldn't recognize as America. That is how they get their culture and their belief system of socialism and communism into our, our, our country. And I will say it was, all, it was said by, I think, Nikita Khrushchev that we will defeat you from within. It is all part of their plan. So I always ask people, study your history, understand that we they are at war with us, and if we're not at war with them, we will lose. 
You're you're absolutely right. Uh, it's very very true. Uh, and we're dealing, you know, we're dealing with a, a very hostile culture like never seen before. Um, you have uh, you have some other thoughts though. Yes, you were talking about how the cities, uh, like you're from Seattle, and recently I was in Arizona, and it, one of my favorite states. It's beautiful there, and being from Baltimore, like myself. We, you know, if you're in these major cities like Seattle, L.A., or Baltimore, you see what socialism or communism, in a sense, is, is has done to these cities. But then you have the people that flee those those cities, and they go to beautiful places like Arizona, or you know even Florida, and they take this concept or ideology of how they lived, and they bring it with them, and it ends up destroying these these great areas and states that were that were successful due to conservative principles. So we have to be, be aware, and I think what we'll see in this election and in future elections is you're going to see another shift in the Electoral College, and which is another reason why the Electoral College is so important and the Founding Fathers were dead right on putting this in. You're going to see in the Rust Belt those states where a lot of the people could not leave when the Democrats and socialists destroyed those areas. Those people are still there. Those areas are going to become more conservative. They're going to become red, and you're going to see historically red states now where the liberals and socialists are fleeing to are going to start turning purple and eventually blue. So you're going to see everything flip again in this country, and it's because people are fleeing the socialist policies, and they take them with them to the conservative areas and destroy those states. So we need to be conscious of that. And we need to make sure we are aware of what's going on and vote and vote and vote and get at least one other person to vote with you, educate someone else, or else our country will be gone. You're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's a hard situation out there, and we need to fix it. We really do. Um, let's Let's go to um, – I believe we have him with us, Todd. Todd, go ahead. Hey, what's up, Rory? Yeah, you know, I, I want everybody to look up a guy named Yuri uh, Bezmanov. Uh, back in the early 80s, he talked about – he was a KGB defector. He talked about you know, how uh, they were basically going to take change America to be essentially communist, and he called the left the useful idiots. So I, I think everybody should take a look at that. And if you look at the number of people in Congress right now, the number of Democrats that are up there, and just the nonsense that they espouse and, and say every day, and, and no one bats an eye except for you know, those of us on the right who are like, what the heck's going on here? Uh, you know, facts don't matter to them. You know, once upon a time, facts matter. Uh, nowadays, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And you know, they have a, a complicit media, a fake news media. That's all about you know covering for them, and of course you know now they have to call out their own. Uh, if you look at uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you know now they're calling her a Russian agent and uh, or an asset, if you will. And I wrote an article in I Vote America, I Vote Tennessee uh, regarding that. And you know how how somebody that's speaking truth to power from the inside has to be destroyed because because they can't be exposed. And she's someone who I think is probably one of the only rational Democrats out, out there. You know, and I used to not really care too much for her, but now, you know, she's somebody that I, I think is, is what's needed in that party, uh, you know, or, or else they're going to destroy our country. And, of course, it, Republicans who, you know, rest on our laurels and think that, oh, well, we got it. We got the White House. Uh, Trump's going to drain the swamp. 
you know, if they rest on their laurels and stay at home, uh, you know, very likely we could lose the White House, uh, lose the House and lose the Senate. That's why you need to show up. And again, like the, the previous guy said, you know, bring a buddy, bring a friend, uh, you know, drive some people to the polls, tell them why it's so important to vote, you know. And if they think that their vote doesn't count, just look at Virginia, I guess, in their last election where they had a couple of ties, you know. So your vote matters, your vote, your vote counts. Uh, but if you stay at home, you know, don't complain whenever this country starts to go downhill even, even more than it already has. You know, thankfully we, we've been able to hold it back with, with electing President Trump. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we stay at home, we don't do our job, we're going we're gonna to lose the country for certain. You're absolutely right. You know, and this is this, 2020 is the most important election of our lifetime. It's going to, you know, uh, per, it's going to dictate and predict what, what, what our future, what our, what our future uh, holds. And uh, it's nothing to take lightly. Uh, I don't want communism. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. You're correct. Yes, sir. And that's what we're going to end up having. And in the left, that's what they want. That's what they're talking about, you know, all this free stuff. And it's funny how Elizabeth Warren, she can't even talk about how she's going to pay for her, you know, her trillions of dollars worth of uh, programs. Uh, but no one's really holding her to task with the exception of may- and maybe Tulsi Gabbard. And, of course, that's why they have to come out and try to destroy her. Right, and that's another thing I was going to mention. I was going to ask you about that, too. What do you think about that garbage, how Hillary Clinton comes out? And Hillary is the biggest sore loser. She's always whining. Mm-hmm. She's always complaining. Right. I, you know, always talking about how, oh, it was a rigged election and, and she, she should have won. But, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, because – she has a different opinion than the other Democrats. She's supposed to be a Russian agent. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You have some Democrats coming out and calling it a stupid claim. You have others that are coming out and supporting it, and I can't believe that. After what they learned with not finding a Russian narrative and they're still pushing right. it, I think, I think they're course. trying to set something up for 2020 when Trump wins so they have something they can – that they have some sort of excuse that they can push to the media. Well, they're always going to have some sort of excuse. You know, you, you realize they weren't going to take the uh, Mueller report at face value because they knew it wasn't going to go in their favor. You know, like they said, oh, we'll, we'll wait till the Mueller report comes out. And as soon as it came out, they already started pushing their next scenario that, that they had in their back pocket. You know, this idea that they have a whistleblower uh, is, is absolutely r- ridiculous. And now all of a sudden Schiff's saying, well, the person doesn't have to testify because now we have the transcript. Well, the transcript didn't show anything, showed nothing, showed no collusion, showed no quid pro quo, showed none of that. But all of a sudden you're going to have to say, well, we're going to shield this person, our, our whistleblower, which is really a plant in my opinion, uh, you know, for, from having to come out and testify. You know, and I, I sent a, a tweet out today or, or maybe a couple hours ago. Uh, for those who remember the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, uh, the, the, the folks that, that went into Congress saying, you know, we're going to impeach this, impeach the MFR, you know, it's kind of like showing up for jury duty saying that this person's already guilty before you even have the trial. And that's what the Democrats have done. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to give anybody due process. You know, they, won't, they don't want no. to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, only when it relates to them, you know what I mean? Absolutely, and if they can do it to a, a sitting president of the United States, they can do it to you, I, or anybody else across this country without any doubt, and they can do it to their own as well if they don't toe the line, and that's, that's absolutely communism. And you know the stuff that they're talking about with Beto and uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren and all these folks talking about you know, how we're going to actually come and take your guns. We're going to go door-to-door. We're going to do all this stuff. You know, there's, you know, however, however many gun owners there are in the hundreds of millions of gun owners, you know, how, how is it you're going to go door-to-door and take their guns? 
but you can't round up 20 million illegals. You think about that. You know, it, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of like the whole, uh, you know, the right to anti-science whenever it comes to, say, climate change. But all of a sudden, right. they're anti-science whenever it comes to the numbers of genders. You know, there's only two. But now all of a sudden, you know, men, women, and transgenders, and all sorts of other people can have periods and, and have menstruation and all this nonsense. It's, next thing you know, they're going to say that I can get pregnant. You know, I, I have I have pregnancy rights or some some nonsense that they're going to make up. <laughs> you know, they're they're all they're off their rocker. And, and if anybody thinks that that they should actually vote for these people, I I would encourage you to please go get your head examined. And I, and I'm not making light of mental illness. You know, please go do that uh, because there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I've talked about this many times, how they claim to be the party of science, and they claim how they claim to think global warming is the most important issue on Earth, but they'll take private jets, they'll mm-hmm. buy fast cars, they'll get in their Tahoes, their Escalades that are some of the worst for the environment. And, right, I mean, it's, absolutely. It's, it's the biggest hypocrisy, and then they want to claim, like I said, they want to say they're the party of science, but then they think there's more than two genders. It, it doesn't add up, man. Well, well, it's the whole Politburo, if you will. The Politburo can have, but you can't. You know, everybody else must share in misery. It's an equally shared misery idea. You know, and uh, I say that their ideology is flawed, destructive, and evil, and, and, it, and it absolutely yeah. is. This isn't the Democrat Party of, you know, say uh, a t- Speaker Tip O'Neill back here in the Reagan days. You know, where they can right. you know disagree on a few disagree on a few things and then have a beer at the end of the day and work out yeah. you know ninety percent of the, the rest of the stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're a, you're absolutely right, my friend. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Thank so, you. yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other thoughts? No, that's it. I appreciate it, man. Good good good, uh, good flow thus far. For sure, for sure. Uh, Mike Peters, I'll go to you, and then I'll go to commercial, and then we'll come back with our guests. But Mike Peters, go ahead in New York. Um, I agree with everything that everybody's bringing up here, and I I see evidence of it firsthand by what's happened after President Trump came in. And You could see the apathy in many ways from our side, where all of a sudden people said, well, we don't have to worry about the Second Amendment anymore, so – Ah, you know what? Don't look at any guns that are on sale or ammunition, and we can stop. We don't have to worry about it. No more rushes. No more anything. They they get comfortable, and when they get comfortable, that's when it's going to cost us. And um, and yeah, we were talking about it, but the American voter, I I don't know. I'm worried about it because I can't right now get trying to get people motivated for Second Amendment issues. Everybody has in their mind, ah, oh, it's not a problem. Trump has it covered. No, that's not how it works. And that's not how it works across the board. You should be out there. We should be out there with friends. We should be making sure everybody's registered voting. And keep the lead and, and keep the control that we have for the short time that we're going to have it. You know, I mean, hopefully we have it for years, but at least another four years for Trump. And then we'll see after that. And uh, we've got to keep the momentum going. So it's scary. It is scary. Absolutely, absolutely, my friend. Did you have any other? Did you have any other thoughts of some of the other stuff I said? No, that's it. That, that's it for now. Okay. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, we will take a commercial, everybody. Uh, please stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. New delicious taste like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. 
We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next NEXGENUSA.com. Also remember, um, it'll be either next month or the month after, but we are releasing the 24-7 network I've been talking about, raising money for it, many notable names doing their own shows. Stay tuned for that. I will be making more announcements. Uh, as it gets closer, but yes, I, and I, I'm sorry for the delay. Uh, we had to put it on the, um, put it on, put it on pause for a little bit over the summer, but now, uh, it's moving along well. So, um, happy to announce that and stay tuned. Exciting stuff. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show though. Uh, I believe we have with us, uh, our first guest, uh, U.S. congressional candidate from Georgia, Lisa Babbage. Lisa, how are you? Lisa, are you with us? Give me one second. Make sure. Bear with me, everybody. Let's see here. I want to make sure she's with us. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had her on mute. That's why. Sorry, Lisa, I had you on mute. U.S. Congressional Candidate from Georgia, Lisa Babbage, how are you? Hey, Rory, I am doing great. We love you on the East Coast. This is awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on, uh, your first time on the show. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I'm running in Georgia's 7th Congressional District. We've got an open seat coming up in 2020 because Representative Woodall will be retiring. I'm an educator by vocation, African-American female who was raised conservative. I don't have a walkaway story. You know, my mother says she walked away at age eight, so I'm fortunate enough to be raised as a constitutionalist. And I got to tell you, everything that you ran down at the top of the show is just the same message that we've been preaching. But we underestimate sometimes pride and greed as a motivator because this narrative on the left is not going to stop. It's going to increase. And we need constitutionalists who are pro-Trump to run because the establishment is not far off from that liberal agenda. It's very true. It's very true. I mean, that's why we call them rhinos. I mean, they are uh, very, like the people, the Mitt Romneys of the world, the John McCain's of the world, the Jeff Blake's. You're right. They are, they are very close to being liberal, and they might as well be. Um, you know, and it's, it's a scary time. We have a lot of people. Uh, that don't have our president's back. We have a lot of people in our party who are unfortunately out for themselves, and that's that's tough. We need more people in Washington that are going to have the America First agenda, going to have that outsider, uh, you know, resume, and, and they're they're going to protect the president. I mean, we need we need people to have his back. It's it's the scariest time right now with everything um, the swamp is trying to pull. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I think the South is a, is a last stand of sorts because it's the Bible Belt. And you talked about it at the top of the hour, Pew Research showing that Christianity is dropping. And I think yeah. the reason why we're seeing that is because we've had a whole generation of indoctrination through mm-hmm. education, through the media, yep. through all the social trends. And, you know, people yep. have, I mean, not to put it bluntly, but people have forgotten their first love. And all that's going to come to bear in this election. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we've been talking about how, you know, 2016 was supposed to be the most important election of our lifetime. No, 2020 uh, is the most important election. And, and, you know, I, I, I used to say 2016 was, but 2020 is predicting what our future will be because uh, we've had four years of incredible um, leadership. Uh, we've never seen a president uh, this good. I mean, he's by far the greatest of all time. He's the Michael Jordan of politics. Um, and it's, it's something that we have to continue. And, you know, I, I really um, think he's going to win by more votes in 2016. But what I really worry about is the voter fraud, because we've seen that make some, some kind of difference in certain elections. But uh, I just think it needs to be closely watched, and I'm hoping after 2020, he, when he leaves in 2024, after his eight years, I'm hoping Don Jr. replaces him because I would love for the Trump legacy to carry on, keep going, to live on through, you know, through Washington. Uh, we've never seen a family uh, that was so loved and, and people are so fascinated by I'm referring to the supporters, obviously, but it's such a large base, you know, and I think it, it's really uh, something that is so special and, and has such a strong um, sentimental value with so many people that they, they don't want to lose that, you know what I mean? I, I, they want to keep the Trumps in there as long as possible. 
You know, uh, you talked about political outsider. Obviously, that's what Trump brought yes. to the table. But yes. not only that, he's, yes. a, he's a street guy. And he has right. raised his children with that edge. Yes. And, and then that's why yes. they have endured themselves to America. And thankfully, he had enough children that we can definitely see their influence for years to come. But I, I right. truly hope and believe that he's also raising up you know, a generation of Americans who are returning to the values that it's going to take to, to, to regain that generation that we've lost. Yeah, and I've always referred to him as like America's grandpa. I mean, he loves all of us. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like the grandpa that we all need. He's like that guy. That is, and you, know what, you know what I love about him? He's real. He's authentic. He's genuine. When he, when he says he likes you, when he says you're a good person, or, or when he says something about somebody, he means it. You know, he's not just talking. And, and I feel like when he's on that stage at his rallies, he's – I mean, he really is showing his love for all of us, even though he can't tell all thousands and thousands and millions and millions of us that he loves us. He does, and, and he's showing that. I mean, it's really a remarkable message uh, and agenda that, that he's spreading and, and giving back to us. For the longest time, we've had people in Washington only out for their own interests, uh, these past presidents, and it's it, it's really it's people are fed up, and this is why Trump is so popular, you know. Because he's authentic, yes, he's gaining that momentum, and I love going to the rallies. But I was just in D.C. Um, maybe about right. ten days ago with about yeah. two hundred young black conservative leaders, and I'm telling you, every yeah. time I'm face to face with our president, I shed a right. tear because there is nothing like the endurance. It's amazing. It's amazing, and the way he lowest black unemployment ever. I mean, can you imagine Amen. if Obama did that? It would be headline news everywhere if Obama did that, but Trump does it, and the, a lot of the media doesn't want to give him credit for it. Well, Trump is doing what a pro- Obama uh, promised to do or was hoped that he would do, and so you know we've got to keep at it more than the media is keeping at their narrative to impeach. That's why we need folks who are actually pro-Trump in office. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It, so. Tell me this. So being raised in a black conservative family, what what kind of, um, you know, opinions and, and reactions did you get from other people growing up? Was it like your friends were a lot of them conservative? How, how did it how did it go down? Well, you know, in elementary school, we were pretty much the only conservative voting family. Lots of African wow. actually are conservative, but yeah. they don't vote conservative. And so we used to get chased home, and we weren't chased home just because we were conservative. We were chased home because my father's white. So there's a lot of, you know, inherent racism that goes into feeding this narrative, as we know. But, you know, I just spoke to the NAACP last week, and for two hours, I was the only guest. For two hours, they grilled me with everything they can think of. And by the time I walked out of there, two people offered to work for my campaign. By the time I walked out of wow. there, wow! So they're fed so the up even. the point yeah the point I'm making though the point I'm making is this: we cannot convey the truth from the same persona and the same PR campaign that we've been running because yeah. those who have been brainwashed by the media won't hear it; they won't get it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And isn't it fair to say that? The NWACP group, in a lot of ways, is a hate group. 
for what they do and how they take money and steal money and take these donations. I've seen so many leaders in different states that run the NWACP. Well, not so many, but there's been quite a few stories where a lot of them are pocketing the money and not using the money for what it's supposed to be used for. And a lot of the – they hate Trump. A lot of the NWACP can't stand him. They try to play the race card, the race baiting, and then they say anybody who supports him is an, uh, a racist, a bigot. So it's, it really is spreading the wrong message, don't you think? Absolutely, and that's why I started out by saying pride and greed is a motivator that sometimes we – we underestimate because we have become complacent over the last generation. We've allowed a lot of this to happen, as some of your guests said. So when folks are brainwashed against our president, yeah. against the, the right. facts of what's happening in our economy and all of his policies, it is simply a narrative that has to be uncoiled, unwound, because they have done such an effective job of spewing hate, of spewing the lie that has played on the emotional heart spring, strings of so many people who don't necessarily do their own homework when they go to vote, you know, and, I, you know, I have compassion for, the, for folks in that situation because I'm a teacher and I know what it's like to have an uneducated child come into my classroom and I have to unwind all that wrong thinking that they have. And maybe that's why I'm so effective when I'm in front of a group like that. But we've got to do that across the board. Because there are people in power, liberal folks, who have run these cities into the ground, run these organizations, youth platforms that Dr. King set up and his constituents, and they've spun it to destroy our country. Yeah, it's, it really is. It, it's sad. And, and, you know, groups like Black Lives Matter that are totally sending the wrong message. I mean, obviously Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives Matter, their whole agenda is targeting white cops usually, and, and they don't want to talk about the black-on-black -black crime in Chicago. They don't want to talk about the black-on-black -black crime in Baltimore. They don't want to talk about it in Detroit. They don't want to talk about it. They'd rather talk about the less than 1% chance. And I'm not, I'm not denying that bad cops exist, but it's not nearly to the extent that the media says or the Democrats say. It's totally over-exaggerated. So like that less than 1% you know, chance. I have a theory. Yeah. yeah, I have a theory about that. Yeah. My theory is is that it's harder to, you know, it's, you know, a black mom looks at black kids as her own kids, even when they're not hers biologically. And the same thing would happen within other communities. So black-on-black -black crime hurts in a way, almost subconsciously, that yeah. you don't want to deal with it if you don't have to. And the media is right. great about taking that option out of the conversation. I saw this rally where I – in fact, it was a, a movie that recently came out, a documentary, and they interviewed yeah. some folks from Black Lives Matter and showed how the media cut and framed the narrative to make Black Lives Matter appear more of a white cop-hating group than they actually are. So they cut the narrative, they scrambled the tape, and, and we saw the raw footage in this documentary that's, you know, going across the country right now. So there's a lot of manipulation by the media. We know all of that. But it even plays into, you know, the simplest things like Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. You know, I'm a pro-life candidate. I'm the only one in my race to be endorsed by a national and a state-level pro-life organization. So all lives matter. But you know, they're, pre they're preaching something to make it seem like, 
Republicans or conservatives only care about embryos. They don't actually care about children. And I'm so thankful for what Governor Kemp has done here with our pro-life legislation that has given rights to the unborn child. And we're one of the only states that has done that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, you know, uh, I think it's great. And and I, and I love, I love everything you're saying. And it sounds like, you know, you're, you're, you're right on point and and you have everything uh, figured out. And uh, I really, I really hope um, you can get in there Uh, because, you know, and going back to what you said about black lives matter, um, I, I think you're right. I think that there are people in Black Lives Matter that are misled, and I think they're in, some of their intentions are good, but they don't they don't understand the the whole scenario because they get brainwashed by the media and by the left. And um, brainwashed you know, and, and, I, and so emotional. Yeah. Right, yeah. brainwashed right. and emotional. I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, and just the the both the both sides. I mean, just the back and forth. I mean, it never ends. The bickering uh, with the left and the right. I mean, it just keeps it goes and it goes. They need to find a way to divide us all, and this is what they do. This is what they're good at. It's definitely you know, the it's, agenda. I mean, I I would love yeah. people to go to badgersforcongress.com and make a donation because honestly. You know, Georgia has two seats coming up that are within the right. top ten on the RNC watch list. This is going to be a fight. President Trump is already committed to come and campaign in Georgia after the primaries. It's going to be crazy. And we've got lots of great candidates, don't get me wrong. But we don't have anyone that's more sold out to President Trump than I am. And I'm the girl that needs to be there because they're not going to stop with this impeachment crap. Right. They're going to keep no, you're going. absolutely. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely right. And let me ask you this. How do you view the whole silliness of the slavery reparations from the left? You know, I did a poll on Facebook and Twitter, um, and I think it was 98%. And I've got all kinds of folks uh, in my family and on my um, social media. But 97, 98% said, you know, reparations, reparations, because, you know, our Constitution did made the the playing field level generations yeah. ago. You know, right. there were more African American millionaires right after, you know, the Civil War, everything that happened happened because they set it up, our framers set it up to where every man could succeed, every citizen could succeed. So we've already the Republicans have already taken care of whatever was owed. And mathematically, yeah. let's just get into the logistics of it. Mathematically, it would never happen. I joke, what am I supposed to do, pay myself? I'm half white, half black. Should I pay myself? You know, we pay ourselves by having an education. We pay ourselves by exercising our votes. We pay ourselves by working and having something that we can be proud of, reinstituting yeah. family again. That's how we pay ourselves right. reparations. We keep this country great. That's how we pay ourselves. I love it. I love it. No, I love it. Very, very well said. And let me ask you this: what What is your competition like in your primary? Obviously, I, you're running against a, de- a Democrat in the general. But are you look? Is it looking good for your situation right now? You know, here's here's what I want to say about that because I'm not going to get uh, I'm not going to be emotional. I'm not going to get caught up in nonsense like a lot of uh, folks do. What I'm going to look at is what God showed me, number one, and stay the course. Because Secretariat right. always came from the back and won. Right. So that's that's my play. You know, it's it's 
not crazy yet. It's going to be crazy in January. And trust me, I need all the help I can get because this is a huge field. But I'm the only one that's in this race that can beat a Democrat. And every voting Republican, every voting conservative or independent in the 7th District needs to vote a Babbage ticket if they want to defeat the Democrat that's running because none of my competitors will be able to do that. They might be great people, but they're not going to beat this competitor that almost took out Rob Woodall, who had been there for years and trained by his predecessor. It was within 420-some-odd votes last time. Wow. Wow. How? So, so really what we need to look at is who can defeat the Democrats. Right. Tell everybody what areas your district covers, what areas of Georgia. So it's Gwinnett County, which is just north of Atlanta, and also yeah. South Forsyth County. So okay. anyone who knows someone in Georgia probably knows someone in Gwinnett County. You know, I just got a letter from a guy in Missouri the other day. I don't even know how he found out who I was, telling me that he wants <laughs> nice. me to win. You know, so this is a great thing. It's babbagefordcongress.com. And we just need to keep spreading the word like great patriots like yourself are doing. Well, yeah, absolutely. I do got to let you go here in a second, but I do want to ask you, what are your three top priorities if you get elected on day one, uh, implementing once you get into office? So first thing, you know, as I said, I'm a pro-life candidate, so that's always going to be on the top. But national security, our southern border is a nightmare. I used to live in Arizona, so I I, kind of sympathize for you know, being nice. right there on that's the border. Where that's where I live right now. I'm, I live in Phoenix. I know. I, I went to uh, high school in Arizona, but um, infrastructure is so important. These are where we start to make our common grounds and cross that aisle. You know, economic stability for all Americans. President Trump has already done outstanding things, but there are still folks who are living paycheck to paycheck. And when we bring up that middle class, we reinvest in education. Like I said, I'm a teacher. But all of those things are stabilizing our economy, and that's what we've got to do because when people are prosperous in their pocketbook and in their family, they don't have time for all this nonsense. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, no, I agree. So education, uh, uh, protecting pro-life, and then what's the third one? Um, our national security, economic stability and our national security. Yes. I can't narrow it I down it. to three. <laughs> I love it. No, it's great. And tell everybody where they can connect with you. So Babbage for Congress, it's like cabbage but with a B. So Babbage for F-O-R Congress.com or Lisa Noel Babbage.com. Sounds good. Well, it really was a pleasure having you on here. Um, I really want to get you back soon. Uh, and thank, thank you so much. Thanks, Rory. Have a good night, guys. All right. Take care. We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our other guests. We will be having Tisha Powell come on. We'll also be having Joe Murray, so stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. 
Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night here. Uh, We have a lot to get into. More guests coming on. I am going to introduce... Uh, Tisha Powell and uh, Joe Murray here shortly. Uh, first, I want to, uh, yeah, I believe we have her on the line right now. Uh, attorney, best-selling author, and activist, Tisha Powell. Tisha, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good, Rory. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your first time on, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a licensed attorney in the state of Florida, and I've volunteered with the Republican Party since 2006. I've worked on about three or four national campaigns, and I've always just done grassroots work for the Republican. And I just think it's time for me just to kind of like educate people on what's really going on. 
because after my trip from overseas, I was in England for like three weeks over the summer visiting my relatives. I recognized that we really live good in America. And I wanted to warn Americans about what socialism is because that's what the democratic agenda is. And I think only 5% of the American population actually hold a passport. So they have no idea what they're in for. Most people don't know that their taxes, whether you're rich, poor, middle class, you're going to be paying 40 to 50% in income taxes. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a really scary situation, and it's nothing to joke about. Communism is, there's no, there's no I mean, people, the left wants to say, well, oh, uh, socialism in Venezuela is different than socialism in America. No, it's all the same. It is all the same. There's no way to spin it. There's no way to twist it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's socialism is socialism. You know what I mean? Yes, that's true. And I'm just surprised that, you know, like, why would people want to vote for it? I, I just think that they're, they don't know what's going on. They don't understand. It's just these politicians have gotten so good into creating these sound bites that, you know, make you feel good at that moment. And it's mm-hmm. just not reality. I mean, we saw a couple of nights ago, Elizabeth Warren was on, and she was talking about this, how she's going to cover everyone for insurance. And even the Democratic candidates were saying to Elizabeth Warren, go ahead and tell people how you're going to pay for it. And she's not being truthful. And and the truth is, she's going to pay for it by raising everybody's taxes. Whether you're rich, you're poor, you're middle class, your taxes have to go up to afford these kind of free stuff. So in reality, it's not really free. It's just some garbage that they're going to be selling to us, and we're just going to be paying more and more taxes. And... We're going to bankrupt America. It's very true. It, it's very true. And as a as an attorney, I'm sure you see uh, you see many of these things from a from a very you know a strong angle. I mean, you deal with the law on, on a regular basis, and and seeing some of these idiotic policies and, and legislation they want to put into place must blow your mind. It really does, and I'm just surprised how many people are not educated about it. And, you know, I am the mom of six-year-old twins, and I got to tell you, like, you know, I'm already 43 years old. I'm lived probably half my life already. How could we hate our own family? I mean, the gr- we grow the deficit. Your kids, Rory, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, everybody who's alive today and have children or you have relatives, they're going to inherit this debt. And I got to say to myself, do we really hate our family members that much to be trying to live free now and then have the next generation pay for it? This is not fair. And this is why I tell people to back President Trump and the Republican Party, because they're the only ones that are making sound policies today. The only ones that are saying, let's clean up this deficit. Let's not leave a debt for our own kids. And I would think that's something we should celebrate about. You're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. And I've talked about many times on my show how one of the biggest problems that is occurring in our society is entitlement. We've had people like Obama, and it's not just Obama's fault, but it's a lot of these past leaders 
especially, you know, especially these Democrats who have created all of these monsters and, and thinking they're owed all this stuff. I mean, people think that they don't have to work for, for what they're, what they get. Either they, they don't believe in the American dream. They want everything handed to them on a silver platter, you know, and, and it's, there's no discipline there. And it's like a kid throwing a temper tantrum. This is what the democratic party has created. I can't even believe in, you know, the, the, the mindsets of these people. Um, and it's, it's really crazy how these millennials have gone so out of control. And I think I read like 70 or 80% of college kids want uh, socialism. I mean, it's a crazy amount. And we're looking, that's another thing. I mean, look at the universities and look at what they're indoctrinating kids with the totally wrong ideology, backwards, backwards, uh, you know, ideas of what America really is. You know, and, and these professors like to spew all this stuff. And I and I I wonder why don't they work for free if these professors love socialism so much? I mean, it's just all hy- hypocritical. You know what I mean? No, that, that that's truth, and that's the pro- that's that's what goes on because it's a lot of young people that that are signing up to do this democratic stuff for the free stuff, free this, free that, and then you have to try to educate them on the fact that it's not really free. These politicians are not related to you. Why would they give you something free? You know, you just have to keep trying to educate people on on the reality that it's not free. And they need to stop using that word and saying it's free because we're paying for it. We are paying for it. I mean, it's and it's not even going to be good. That's the sad part because even during the Democratic debate, we saw other candidates pressed in Elizabeth Warren, who seems to be the front runner at this moment, to go ahead and carve out something that's so it's not government funded fully, because they knew that well, if she gets in and she turns it into you know all this free stuff, I'm going to be stuck with a government insurance, and that's not going to be good for me. So therefore, I better turn out to get something private. And I hope voters were seeing that that even the politicians don't want the free health insurance. They're hoping for a little carve-out so they can go to private doctors. So if politicians want to go to private doctors, why do you want to go to the free doctor they're going to offer? It's going to be no good. So you're going to be paying high taxes and you're going to get less care. So how is that good? It's not. It's not. We have to get away from the fact that government owes something because they really don't and that we are capable of helping ourselves. We're capable of getting our own insurance. We are capable of getting jobs. We really need to have more confidence in ourselves. And this is what government has done over the years, especially to black people, what the Democrats do. They beat us to the ground. They beat black people down the ground so we don't feel like we're equipped. They make us think like the world is a scary place and they're going to protect us because we're, we're black. And it's just time for a lot of black people to recognize it's a lie. It's a lie. I'm 43 years old. I'm an attorney in the state of Florida, and I'm black. I have white clients and black clients and mixed clients coming to me. It's all a lie the Democrats have been telling us, that the world is a scary place and they need to protect us. It's just a way to keep us voting for the Democrats and to just, you know, give up what we're supposed to have. And you bring up a great point, you know, how they like to scare us and how they like, you know, they really – use their voters. And, and I talked about this many times on my show. They like to put people in boxes. They like to base people off their skin color, their sexual orientation. They like to create as many victims 
as possible. And then they can use that to their advantage. And they use, they use these people like political pawns because they try to say how oppressed they are. And the more boxes they can create, the more powerful their base becomes. And this, this becomes an epidemic and it's really evolved and it's getting really sick. You know what I mean? It is. And, and the only way to stop this sickness is to have no government, which is not possible. So the next option is less government. And this is the only thing that you can do. You have to vote for smaller governments, and you have to start with the Republican Party because the Democrats' goal is to just keep growing the government. The Democrat is out of control. Yep. I mean, to me, the best government is government that can be contained. So I'm all for the small government. And the, the smaller the government is, the more power we have. So that's what I want to remind voters is that if you want power, vote for the Republican Party because then you're just cutting down the government. You're getting it smaller, and that's the whole point. You want to shrink the government. We, the people, should control the government. The government should not control us, the people. You're absolutely right. I, I Very well said. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you wrote, you wrote a book, and, and tell everybody about that. I mean, you really uh, put a lot of sp- stuff into perspective. Uh, it, the book's doing well, I understand, and uh, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really good. Yes, I wrote a book called Trump Must Win. It's available for sale on Amazon.com. The subtitle is Discover the Dark Days and Dark Dilemmas Americans Will Face if President Donald J. Trump is not reelected come November 2020. And people said, that's pretty scary, and you, it is reality. I don't want to scare anyone. I just want to give you reality. Elizabeth Warren, as what I can see from now, she's being groomed by President Obama. Elizabeth Warren can yep. fast-track America to socialism just like that. That is why the Democratic Party did the impeachment inquiry to separate this, the Shah from the reef. They already tested all their parties. It's a rigged system. People already know that. The DNC is very powerful. We saw Sanders should have won in 2006. They gave it to Hillary Clinton. So we know that there is cheating behind the DNC. We know it's rigged. So all these people are going in. They said, okay, we want the top three. They did the impeachment inquiry. Just like that, nobody can hear from the lower-tier candidate, if you notice very well. Now all you can hear from now is Warren, Biden, Sanders. Warren is leading. This is what the Democrats want, because Warren has been trained by Obama to speed up stuff. So that's, that's how bad it is. We are probably one vote away from being socialist, if Elizabeth Warren gets in. And it, it's so deadly that even the Democratic donors plan on sitting it out. And that's because they know how deadly Elizabeth Warren is going to be. And I'm here to warn people, you don't want to go down that path. You're better off with Trump for the next four years. Because I'm telling you, socialism is knocking on the American door. And Warren would like to open that door for us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, it makes me wonder if the Democrats, you know, once the Democrats keep losing elections like they will, I mean, you know, they'll. I think Trump's going to win by a lot. I think he. I think he could even. I think he'll win in a landslide in 2020. Uh, I think he will. I really have a strong feeling on that. I think he'll get more votes than 2016. Um, but here's the thing: what I what I wonder is when the Democrats keep failing in elections like they have been. I mean, we've been seeing a lot of special elections, them failing. Uh, you know, we even gained seats in the Senate last last year uh there's so many different examples 
but if they keep losing elections, they're known to switch their views constantly. It makes me makes me curious if they'll eventually ditch uh, this whole communism mindset because they know it's not working. They seem to be people that only want to try to push narratives that they know they can get approval for. They know they can, uh, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I really think if they keep losing elections, I think a lot of their party is going to have to re. They're probably going to rethink the way they do things. But if they don't and they keep pressing communism, I think it's only going to backfire on them. Well, yes, that's what we saw with the with with the Republican Party as well. When we were way too conservative, where there was too many church people, the Tea Party came in and we we changed the route. That's what's going to happen with the Democratic Party because the message of Americans don't want socialism. It's too. It's, yeah. it's not very Americanized. So yes, that's what's going right. to happen. They're going to have to throw those really radical left off, the AOC, the Sanders, the Warren, and they're going to have to come more in the middle and be more reasonable. But they're not reasonable yeah. at this moment. So there's nothing to negotiate. Right. It's just leave them, let them figure out that we don't want socialism. And even though you're saying Trump is going to win in a landslide, we still can't take it for granted. People still need to show up. They still need to support President Trump because Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party, they're doing everything they can to make sure Trump is a one-term president. You see this impeachment stuff, the whistleblower transcript. They're creating all this kind of stuff to try to figure out, well, if he wins, we'll take it this route. So it's, it's scary time we're living in. It's very scary time, and people need to be under guard. And they need to really go out. Don't just say, oh, Trump is going to win. He doesn't need my vote. Yes, he does. Every vote counts. And what's really important is keeping, carrying on, like I was talking about earlier in my show, uh, carrying on his legacy when he's done with his eight years in 2024. Uh, God, I would love it if he signed some bill where he could stay longer than eight years, where he could just keep, keep going and going. I would love that. But um, I would, you know, we need to, I really look at it like Don Jr. will care, will keep keep the legacy going, and I think that's important. I think that the Trump family needs to continue on. I, I don't think we can afford or, you know, allow uh, some other schmuck to come in there and take over when Trump's done with his eight years. What do you think? No, that's realistic, but it, it's also, you know, we we do see it just seems to be a trend in America where we do eight years of one party, then we go eight years to the next or four years. So, right. um, yeah, I do think Don Jr. at some point will be running for president. Not sure when, but he definitely has the conservative values. He's big on the NRA, things that we need. He wants, you know, less taxes. He wants small government. You could see the way he's raising his kids. If you follow him on Instagram or Twitter, he's already teaching them how wrong socialism is. So we know for a right. fact that he's re he's a core Republican. Those are his values. And I would think anytime somebody has a family, your values should be more conservative. I mean, this right. is a crazy world we're living in these days where some children right. don't even know if there should be a male or a female. And if you <laughs> don't have any values, you're going to tell them, go ahead, be whatever you want. And that's the problem, what, what liberals don't understand government. Not only do you impact us financially, but you impact our identity. You let us think it's okay to someday marry our dog. I mean, this is where we're going with, with the Democratic Party. You're, abs you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I was talking about earlier in my show, and you live in Florida, 
And I was talking earlier in my show how all these cities run by liberals are, you know, have this epidemic of needles on the ground, uh, feces, tents everywhere, homeless epidemic. And, you know, I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now, but I'm originally from Seattle, moved down to Arizona about seven years ago. But uh, I don't even recognize my home city of Seattle anymore. When I go back, I haven't been back in a few years, but it's disgusting. Uh, tents everywhere, feces. Same sort of thing happening in San Francisco, um, L.A., and now uh, it's creating a huge epidemic in Miami. So uh, have you been through Miami recently? Is it is it pretty bad down there? It is pretty bad. It's very liberal down there. I'm triple minority there. I'm, you know, I am. It It is hard, and it, it's just yeah. it's just the mindset of people. You know, it's just. I can't even explain how weird it is to wake up and see people who, you know, don't know if there should be a man or a woman, and, you know, the government is okay with it, you know, and parents don't know what to do, and and we're pushing so much to the government to do for us as parents. We want them to figure out our life. We want them to figure out our children's life. It's It's ridiculous, you know. What about just getting up in the morning, going to, you know, meditate, pray, you know, do what you yeah. you want, worship the higher power, go to work, right. get a job, get a family, right. take care of your kids, have them not watch plenty of television, sit down with them, do their homework, sacrifice yeah. so they get in a new car, you know, put away for yeah. college fund. What about the old-fashioned take care of me, you know? Don't right. let government take care of you. No, I hear you. I hear you. And are you who who runs your district? Who's the congressperson in charge of where you are in Florida? It's on the, the Democratic stronghold, the Washerman, uh, and it, it, yes, it's it's always Democrat. But you know, someday that will change. But you know, they keep carving up more, carving up more, carving up more for themselves, and yeah. they're not doing much, if you ask me. And, you know, I was reading, you know, since so much of the uh, the, the policies in, in New York and all these areas, California, a lot of people are moving to Florida because the state there, easier on taxes, and it's easier on the middle class. A lot of people are, are moving to Florida. But the school systems, I got to tell you, in Florida, are off. they're really bad. It, it's just really bad. We rank 49 or 50. Yes, it's very, very Ooh. bad. You do pay less taxes, but the school systems are not very good. Not good, not good. Um, so, t- so I do got to let you go here in a second. And that's because of the ex- excessive illegal immigrants, of course. That's what oh, happens geez. when yeah, there's that's... a lot of illegal immigrants in the school and they're not speaking English and there's 50 kids right. in a classroom. You know, pe- people yeah. are not reporting on that stuff. You don't see CNN reporting on things like that. Right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's it is crazy. Uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you. I do want to get you back soon because I do got more stuff to talk to you about. But I I do got to move on to the other guests. But uh, please tell please tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yes, I'm on Facebook. My name is Tisha T E I S H A last name Powell P O W E L L. Or you could look me up on Twitter T E I S H A last name Powell P O W E L L. And my book is for sale on Amazon.com. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rory. Take care.
Thank you. I do want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, a former police officer, lawyer, and political candidate, Joe Murray. Joe, are you with us? I'm with you. Thanks, Rory. Joe, great to have yeah. you here, my friend. Uh, uh, sorry about the, the wait. A uh, little backed up tonight on the show. Uh, overbooked a little bit too much, but sorry about that. But I, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, thank you for having me on the show, and I don't mind the wait. It was very interesting to listen to the other uh, guests that you had. Uh, but, yeah, as for myself, I'm a native of Queens County and one of the boroughs of New York City. I grew up in Howard Beach. I uh, joined the police department at 20 years old to follow in my father's footsteps. Uh, he was a police officer and became a fireman. I joined the department in 1987, though, and if you remember what the times were like back then, crime was rampant. One of the first commands I went to was Midtown North and Midtown Manhattan, the Times Square area, and it was an absolute cesspool. So uh, a couple of years later, we had a wonderful mayor, Mayor Giuliani, who came in. He brought in Commissioner Bratton, Jack Maple. We strategized, we organized. And we really took the streets back. Uh, if you remember back in 1992, I think was the highest uh, homicide rate we had. It was something about 2,200 homicides. Now we have less than 300 citywide. So I went to uh, uh, the police department with the idea of helping people. And uh, that's something that I'm proud of what I did. Uh, so after leaving the police department, I became an attorney. And again, I took that profession to help people. And I found myself, uh, because I was a police officer, that although I tried different areas of law, everyone knew me as a police officer. And I ended up going back into criminal defense work. So in doing my criminal defense work, uh, everyone has that natural uh, question, how do you go from locking people up to getting people out? you know, as a defense attorney, and it's really not that um, different of work I'm doing because even as a police officer, I was trying to help people, and that included the people I arrested to try to steer them back on the right path and, and get them uh, on the right track, and that's what I do as a defense attorney as well. So it's not very different, the work that I do, although I use different methods and techniques. Um, so... Now, what we have here is uh, in Queens County, um, we have this incredible primary that took place in the Democratic Party. And I backed a yeah. friend of mine, Greg Lasak, who is a retired judge. He was a prosecutor for 25 years, a judge 14 years, and I backed him. I thought he was the most qualified guy. I thought it made sense for him to take over uh, for Richard Brown, who held office for 28 years. And I was just absolutely blown away by the primary because we had one of these Democratic socialists, Tiffany Caban, uh, backed by AOC and, and her ilk. And uh, she nearly won this election. Matter of fact, I believe she won the election. She won on primary night by 1,100 votes. So uh, and, and it must be the cop in me because I'm watching on primary night and I see her celebrating and she's so happy and she won the uh, primary of, uh, by 1,100 votes. And then they pan over to Melinda Katz, who is the Democratic County uh, candidate. 
And she's got this look on her face like the cat that ate the canary. Like she knew already how many absentee ballots she had. She knew she had the party backing her, and they were going to destroy or eliminate any affidavit ballots. In New York, we have affidavit ballots, which generally favor the challenger coming in because they usually are people who are newly registered that show up at the polling site and can't find their name in the registry. So they're asked to sign an affidavit swearing to the fact that they did, in fact, register and they cast their vote. Well, in this recount that took place, Melinda Katz ended up reversing that uh, primary win that Tiffany Caban uh, had won and secured and by 55 votes. And part of that was due to throwing out affidavit ballots that they found technicalities with them that they just ignored the intent of the voter and and threw them out. So that really infuriated me. Uh, Not that I wanted Tiffany Caban to win. I was terrified of her winning because of, you know, this far left decarceration socialist, uh, progressive socialist approach that uh, I was terrified. But the fact that Melinda Katz won is some is something that equally terrified me because Melinda Katz is nothing but a career politician. She has never represented a client in court, although she is an attorney. She has no criminal justice experience at all. She's been a politician for 20 years, and uh, she happens to be term limited out of office and now needs another job. Uh, me, on the other hand, like I I enjoyed my career in the police department. I love what I do and as an attorney. I also do a lot of civil work. Uh, I represent professional athletes. Uh, you may be familiar with that uh, the big Conor McGregor UFC guy who attacked the bus here in Brooklyn. I represent one of the, yeah, yeah. One of the fighters. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, represent one of the fighters on the bus. I mean, Mike Chiesa, what a great guy. And it's so funny. I mean, Mike is such a good guy. When he heard I was talking about doing this and running for office, he calls me up and he goes, listen, you're talking about fighting all this corruption. You're going to need a bodyguard. So he goes, in between fights, I'm going to be your bodyguard. So, so, uh, but I love my job. I love what I do. I love my clients. But I'm willing to put that aside because I see this madness that's going on here in New York City, particularly, I don't know if you've heard uh, all this going on with closing of Rikers Island which is an absolute, it's, it's just so shocking to me. I don't have words for it. But what, what they're doing is we have an island here that contains most of our jails. Nobody's ever escaped from, and, and jail is, in fact, designed to detain people against their will. So when you're raiding a place, you, that's one of the things you're raiding it by. Well, we have this jail, and it's it's served us well back in the 90s when I was a police officer, I think our population on the island swelled to over 20,000 uh, detainees that were held on the island. Well, they want to do away with that now, and they voted to close Rikers Island to open up neighborhood jails. I'm just going to let that sink in. We have an island where our jails are, but they want to close it now and open up neighborhood jails in the community which is shocking to me, and I just don't understand it. And I was horrified because I attended 
the subcommittee meeting, I kind of snuck in there, uh, being a retired police officer, I has its benefits. I snuck into this subcommittee hearing because I just had to hear it for myself. And they were in there, the subcommittee, all just patting each other on the back and saying how wonderful this was that we've we've taken this historic step and a first step towards eliminating jails and prisons altogether. That is their goal, to eliminate jails and prisons. And the philosophy that they say is people don't belong in cages. Where have we heard that before? People don't belong in cages. And then they're saying that there is no such thing as criminals. We shouldn't call them criminals. They're victims, and they need help, and they need assistance. This is insanity. I don't know what to do. We have to fight this. This is not just New York City. This is happening elsewhere. But the the, peop, the rational people of the world have to rise up and fight this kind of madness. I just I can't believe my eyes and ears and seeing what's happening in this city that I love. But uh, I'm willing to put all that aside. Uh, what I'm doing in my practice to jump back into public service and and try to fight this battle. I mean, we have other things going on like the elimination of cash bail. On January 1st, they passed this law. So so on January 1st, 2,000 detainees on Rikers Island are going to be given a Metro card and told to come back to court. They're leaving. They're going back into the community. And some of these people are very dangerous people. Some of them are people who have uh, committed multiple crimes, have been arrested multiple times, and judges finally got tired of releasing them and releasing them and set bail. Some of them failed to appear in court multiple times. And judges say, well, look, if you can't come back to court, I'll make you come back to court. I'm setting bail. So I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's insanity, but we're losing that. Judges, we have some very good judges, and they use their experience, and they set bail only in cases where there is a risk that the person won't return. And they do that appropriately, and and now that power has been taken away from them. So uh, that's another issue that I almost don't want this job because they're hamstringing me with so many of these new laws that the next prosecutor to take office January 1st is going to be stuck with all this stuff. So, but I think I have to do it, and uh, I, I, I really want to help. It's, it's the public service in me that I'm always trying to help people. So, so this is what we're dealing with here, and uh, I could go on and on. There's another law that's taking effect January 1st in dealing with discovery. And uh, let me just explain this a little bit. I think it was well intended and long overdue to have a new statute to streamline and, and uh, you know, expedite the, the discovery that we get. I'm a defense attorney. I deal with this all the time. I fight with the prosecutor. I want evidence. So what they did, however, is they really flipped this thing around. They went way overboard, whereas now they have to turn over all discovery within 15 days. And that's just not doable. I was a cop here in the city. It's just you have very complex issues. You have evidence. You have lab stuff and, you know, things that are being tested at a lab. You have victims in the hospital. And, and it's not just the evidence itself. You have to do all chain of custody evidence showing where that property has been taken in.
by the police and transferred all along uh, the lines. If it's not turned in in 15 days, you risk having that evidence precluded. Why are they doing this? And it's shocking, but I really do believe that they're trying to make it so difficult to convict people and incarcerate people. This is part of the grand scheme of no more incarceration, no more convictions. People are not criminals. They're sick and they need help. So this is another thing that they're doing. And Perhaps the most shocking to me anyway, having been a police officer, when you get to the scene of a violent crime, particularly a shooting or a stabbing, a, a, a violent crime where you have a witness and you secure a witness and now you look like you may make an arrest and you have a good case, what's the first concern you think one of these witnesses has? Hey, you're not going to give my information to the defendant. Nobody's going to know this. And what we would tell them is to say, well, eventually, if it goes to trial, they're going to know who you are. But we're not going to turn over that information unless it's absolutely necessary and this case goes to trial. And in reality, only about 5% of cases go to trial. They'll testify at grand jury in secrecy, and then the case will plot along, and there'll be a plea and some type of resolution. But now, under this new discovery law, we must turn over everything, the statement, the witness, the contact information, in 15 days. So, again, what is the motivation here? To prevent people from participating, to prevent the arrests, prevent the prosecutions. It's just shocking to me. I just don't know. I mean, I, we've all been asleep at the wheel letting our legislature do this to us, but now, January 1st, all of this is going to come to play. So, I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm 52 years old. I love what I do, but I see this, and I'm just horrified as to what's happening. And the person who's going to be in charge of it all is this woman, Melinda Katz, who's the borough president, and, you know, yeah. she's a single mom, and a very nice lady, but certainly she doesn't belong being the district attorney. She has no experience, and and I think that the people have to wake up to this and and you know uh, look at this uh, very closely. You know, the one the one last thing I just want to jump out with is one of the things I do when I go and I speak and I talk to people. I listen to them, and a lot of times I'll take a poll and I'll I'll introduce myself and tell them who I am, and I just say, you know, by a show of hands. Can you raise your hand if you believe we have corrupt politicians in New York State? And everyone raises their hand. As a matter of fact, they raise their hand, they see everybody raising their hands, and they all start to laugh. Now, they do this with politicians sitting in the room. So uh, my next question, and I keep my hand up there because I want to just hold it out there. I want everyone to look and let it soak in. My next question is, Raise your hand if you know the name of the last crooked politician that was prosecuted by a district attorney. And I make careful distinction to ask them to name someone prosecuted by a district attorney because most of the, the political corruption is done by the FBI and the Justice Department. It's just not done by the, the district attorneys. And I believe it's because the, the party... Uh, actually elects the district attorneys, and they get them. And in New York, a lot of them run unopposed. The party protects them. 
They helped them. Uh, the party, especially in Queens, uh, the Queens Democratic Party, operates like organized crime. And I'm, I'm experiencing it right now where there's so many of my colleagues who are terrified to, uh, to support me. Because what happens? If you donate to someone, it gets recorded and it's listed publicly. Well, the party will know that I, I donated to your campaign. I can't do it. You know? So, so this is the stuff that, that really horrifies me. So one of the things I'm doing to address this is, and let me just point out, the mayor controls the NYPD. Make no mistake about it. He has to, appoints the commissioner, and the commissioner does what the mayor says. The governor controls the state police by the same reason. He's the chief executive, and he controls that agency. Well, as district attorney, I get to hire my own DA squad. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire some, I'm going to form a unit, what I call the untouchable squad. These are hard-hitting veteran detectives, fearless of anyone or any political corruption. And I'm going to just task these uh, investigators with proactively seeking out corruption, wherever it goes, wherever it's, it leads. And that's something that we're going to do with sting operations. And we're, There's so much low-hanging fruit here. Uh, that that we're going to go after. I hope that I have this opportunity because we all talk about how we feel the politicians in New York are corrupt, but nobody's done anything about it. Well, as district attorney, that is the most powerful office in the city, perhaps the state, the Queens County. We have two major international airports with just the logistics of where it is and, and how to get... So I could get jurisdiction, geographical jurisdiction over just about anything. So uh, that's one of the big things that I really want to do, and I've, it's been so well received. People will tell me quietly, of course, we want you to do this. I can't wait for you to get in there. It's so corrupt. You're the guy to do it. And it, and it's true because I got to tell you, I mean, I am a Democrat in New York City a conservative Democrat, and I'm running on the Republican right. line. So the Democratic Party hates me because I'm attacking their yeah. girl, who's, who's they put up to run, the county person. And the Republican right. Party tolerates me because they know I'm the most qualified, and, and they actually gave me the offer because of the values that I hold, of the conservative values. But I owe right. nothing to nobody. And that's why yeah. I am free to go. I don't care who it is. I'll investigate anyone that I find evidence of corruption. And the reception I have been getting is overwhelming because people have yeah. lost hope in New York that we can clean right. up the corruption here. But I'm the guy to do it. And I, I, I'm the most humble guy. But when, you know, when it comes to an election like this, and I got into the game yeah. very late, I got to beat the drum, you know, and I got to let people know yeah. who I am and what I'm doing. So that's what I'm doing. And I love, uh, I love you having you, you having me on and, and geez, the speakers yeah. you've had, the people that came on, I love yeah. that people are getting involved. They're waking up. It's almost as right. if a rebellion has begun. We are finally yeah. saying enough of this nonsense. We've been buried yeah. in our jobs and families 
ignoring this for years and years, and now finally we picked our heads up and said, what in the hell is going on here? And that's how I, I feel, and I think a lot of my yep. colleagues and, and friends and family are like, yes, you're right. Do it. We'll right. support you, and we're moving forward. So I love to hear all these people getting involved, like me, the first time I'm, I'm getting involved, 52 years old. But you know what? Yeah. I have to do this for our kids and our families. Otherwise, we're doomed. So right. uh, I'm sorry to be so long-winded. I figured I'd give you no, a break. No, that was you great. Can... No, I'm blown, I'm blown away. It was beyond impressive. That was unbelievable. That was that was quite the speech. Uh, I I love it, man. I, I think you're over. I think you're overly qualified. I, I think you would be phenomenal. I, I think you have everything uh, spot on. I think you have everything lined up correctly. I think there's. Uh, it's all perfection. Everything you said is absolutely correct. And, you know, it really is sad what's happened with New York City. Uh, used to be one of the most desirable places, the best city on earth. It's, I mean, it still is. I mean, I love New York City, but with all the homeless epidemic, with all the crime, with all the liberal policies, with how bad Mayor de Blasio is, it's really turned into a a, uh, a place it's where uh, it's dirty on those streets. I was there a few months ago. And garbage everywhere, tents everywhere, same kind of thing uh, in other liberal cities. It's it's getting sad how leadership has gone so far down the drain, you know. It's so horrible. And, and just the politics and the pandering, I'm so sick of politicians. You know, the local press loves me. Like the, li- the little papers, you know, in Queens County, and they love to call yeah. me to get my reaction because we had a press right. inquiry that they put out between me and Melinda. And it was about this new raising the age statute where you, you the uh, juvenile, 16, 17-year-old, would now be referred to family court versus being prosecuted in criminal court. So they, they sent out a press inquiry about the rate that the current DA, uh, the acting DA, the rate of cases that they're referring to family court in Queens County is so low. It's the yeah. lowest in the city. And how would we right. address that? When he gave me this press inquiry, I was, you know, I used to teach um, uh, criminal justice at ASA College, and that was one of the most rewarding experiences. I know the past guest was also a teacher. Teachers, I love teachers because you really have so much power to reach people. Education is that light bulb moment. When you see that light bulb go off and that, you know, uh, young kid's, uh, eyes when they catch on to something. It's a beautiful priceless. thing. I mean, it really is. So I, I did teach criminal justice for a while, and I, I loved it. So in, in part of my response, I wrote about, you know, the the, uh, yeah. uh, the criminology aspect of it and the, the uh, principles of deterrence and retribution and why it's important. And family court is really just uh, – it, it's more of a uh, helping the defendant versus – any concern for the victim. And anyway, so I wrote this whole thing. It was a manuscript and I submitted it to the reporter. We had to have it in by four or five o'clock the next day. And he's laughing when I sent it to him and I'm talking to him on the phone and said, Hey, is that good enough that I cover it? And he's laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? He goes, Joe, we got two lines through three spokespersons from your opponent, Melinda Katz. You wrote such a comprehensive uh, response that we're putting it on the whole back page as an op-ed 
and we still had to cut it down. <laughs> so he's like, you got to cut your word count. So uh, I loved it. I had to say, listen, I spoke my mind and, and, and how I felt about it, and I backed it up with, with you know, good principles of, of, of tried and tested uh, criminology. So right. this same newspaper, we have an attorney general here, Letitia James, and the Brooklyn District Attorney Eric Gonzalez filed a lawsuit yeah. against ICE, and the lawsuit Jeez. was essentially. I got. I, I, got, I gotta let ICE. you go in about a minute. I gotta let you go in about a minute. We are running out of time, but I gotta, I gotta let you go in about a minute. But uh, but yeah, continue. Go ahead. Let me just see. I'll wrap this up. So they want to do this to stop ICE. So he asked me. He goes, Joe, I gotta ask you. If you're elected, would you join the lawsuit? Without hesitation, absolutely not. These are federal officers acting pursuant to federal law on a federal right. issue. There's something in the Constitution called the Supremacy Clause. Their lawsuit's going to be dismissed. It's pandering. And that's why I believe that a prosecutor should not be a politician. You must follow the evidence, not True. the crowd. And that's something that my adversary as a, as a career politician will just go wherever the political winds will lead. But anyway... Right. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I love speaking to uh, to people about what I'm doing, and, and I love to hear yeah. all your guests. I, I'm so encouraged by yeah. it because I'm not alone, yeah, well, and I think, like I yeah. said, we have a rebellion growing here. Yeah, I love. well, we love having you on. I definitely want to have you back soon. I could talk to you all day. Uh, I just I, I do have to wrap up the show here soon, so I do apologize, but please tell everybody where they can connect with you where they can get involved with your campaign, all that good stuff. Fantastic. I have a website, www.joe4qda, and that's Joe number four, Q for Queens, D-A. And then similarly on Facebook, Joe4qda. And then at uh, Twitter, I go by my law practice, Joe Murray Law. So I would love for you to contact me, learn more about my campaign, Hopefully, throw a yeah. few donations in there. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. That, absolutely, Joe. Thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Have a good night. Absolutely. You too, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, I do want to get closing statements from everybody. Everybody, if you have any thoughts, go ahead. We do have a few minutes left. So uh, I will go Sam first. Sam Tully, go ahead. Do you have any thoughts on anything? Well, great show, Roy. Uh, I I wish him well uh, as far as being a DA, but, this, you know, you're talking about community, uh, letting people out of jail. Well, you know, letting people out of jail, taking away Second Amendment rights, that would just be disastrous. So hopefully none of that will happen. And um, you can always reach me at Samuel Tolley, T-O-L-L-E-Y, on Facebook, Twitter, or you too. It was a nice uh, show tonight. A pleasure being here. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, Sam. You have any other thoughts on it, on anything else throughout the show? Uh, well, I say what I have to say about the LBG thing. Uh, this situation about uh, it was one thing the lady from I believe it was the Georgia talking about yeah. the Democrats trying to get black people pandering or making them think that uh, we need them. That has been one of the Achilles' heel for quite some time. But I think 
uh, the president, when he came out and said, what the hell do you have to lose, has woken yeah. up a lot of people and has shown that the Democrats really aren't the friend of anyone other than themselves who want to be in power. And frankly, uh, that's what most of the liberals and the rhinos, uh, they want the power, but Trump is showing the people that they can have the power because he doesn't need it. And the more people see it, I think what black folks are like 30% Trump's favor now, we may get to 40 before the election. I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what the hope is. I'm hoping for it. I, I think it's looking good. Uh, but thanks, Sam. As always, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Roy. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Tim, go ahead. Uh, any thoughts yeah. uh, on anything? I'd love to hear uh, your yeah. input. Yeah, great show. Uh, what I, I try to tell and educate as many people as possible is we don't need to reinvent the wheel. The Democrats are, have been very successful for this past half century with playing the emotional card, playing that identity politics. So we need to be able to, to understand how to speak to people that don't see things the way we do. And we're talking right. about the race down in Georgia. You've got to understand that the groups have been indoctrinated for a long time. And unfortunately, we don't look at identity politics as being something promising, but the left does. So we need to understand who we are speaking to, plant that seed, and not everyone thinks logically like the way we do. A lot of people think emotionally. So we need to be able to switch our message to tie into that emotional aspect for a lot of people to begin that process to get them to move over. Donald Trump has done that, and I'm very happy he has. There have been others that have done that. But we need to continue that, and, I, and I'm looking for a red wave. And there's going to be many seats that are going to be surprised, surprisingly flipped this election. And I've heard them right here on your on your program, and I'm I'm proud to hear them. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any other Do you have any thoughts on some other stuff? Uh, just please reach out. Um, I am one, in one of those 19 seats that need to be flipped. You can reach me at uh, timfazenbaker.com or on Facebook. Yep. You can find me at Fazenbaker for Congress. I'm a Trump guy all the way, and I support other Trump candidates around the country, and even non-candidates, people who support that message. I do whatever I can, and I hope everyone out there listening does what they can to continue our movement to keep America great the way that it was founded to be. Absolutely, Tim. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Todd, go ahead. Yeah, Roy, I appreciate it. Yeah, things things are things are looking up up in New York. I hope there's more people like that run for office up there. That's a that's a messed up city up there. Uh, you know, one reason I think why they're going to release people out of prison it's one of the it's like Obamacare. You know, gov- uh, the Democrats screw things up to such a degree that people clamor for a fix, and the only people that are in, in a position to actually fix it is the government. So I think that's probably what they're trying to do. And, and of course, if you if you're clamoring for uh, protection from criminals and things like that. You create a situation where you end up having essentially a police state, and I think that's probably what they want, so they can have more power and more control. Uh, you know, and, and talk about feelings, if you will, and facts. You know, you know, feelings matter to the individual, and feelings matter to the people who care about the individual. And at the end of the day, if, if it comes down to feelings and facts, give me facts every day. Uh, you know, I think feelings, in some respects, is kind of worse than the actual quote-unquote F word. Uh, and I, I, I tell people that all the time. Uh, so facts, facts matter. Uh, feelings matter to you, and, and I think Democrats, and that's what they've played to for so far too long. 
But anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Todd for House. That's T-O-D-D, the number four, H-O-U-S-E. And, of course, website's toddforhouse.com as well. And, of course, uh, you can follow me uh, on my personal Facebook page if you choose, Todd A. McKinley, M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y. And our, our Facebook page uh, with, with, with regards to the campaign is offline right now uh, as we're still kind of figuring out what we're going to do uh, moving forward. Uh, but uh, like I said, we're 99.99% sure, but a, a few things need to happen before we can make it make that decision uh, final. But anyway, I appreciate your show and appreciate everybody that uh, was on here, man. A lot of great people. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure having you on. Thank you, my friend. Right. God, God bless, brother. God bless. Uh, Mike Peters in New York, go ahead. I'll go to you, and then uh, you got to end the show. But Mike, oh, you got as, thoughts? As you, know that, as you know that I brought up before many times, the politicians in New York, what they do is, like Governor Cuomo <laughs> has done back in 2013, yeah. the article that you can look up on the web, it's called um, Here Come the Crazies. So what they yeah. do is, what he did was release 6,500 lunatics on our streets, even though psychiatrists right. warned him. So there's no way to maintain, you know, make sure they're taking their medicine. Some of them are psychotic. But when they let the lunatics go and they let the criminals out of the jails in the name of compassion and we have to be progressive and everything, then the crimes are committed. People are murdered. The gun crimes commit. So what do they do? We need more laws. And as the other gentleman said, the police state. Then they go crazy with it's the gun that's to blame, not the people. People are not criminals. It's the gun. So sure. it's yep. it's a never-ending game that they have play up here, and but it's how the liberals work it, and we're faced with it yeah. every day up here in New York. It's it's bad. It's crazy. It really is crazy, Mike. But always a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Great show. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, everybody, we are out of time. I do got to run. The clock is out. Says zero. So I will see you all tomorrow night. Have a blessed night. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.